What is up, everybody? Welcome to the divisional round edition of the DFS MVP. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Ryan Noonan. In case you missed last week or haven't been paying attention to our uh, betting subscription much this year, Ryan Noonan is the sports betting manager at 444 and the host of the Move the Line podcast. Ryan, how you doing? Uh, what's going on in the betting world right now? First of all, there's no way you're going to cue this up for yourself. Do not bury the lead. Our boy TJ, double dipping, double dipping. Football writer of the year, DFS writer of the year, the FSWA awards. So massive props, well-deserved for someone who has been doing uh, this type of work for a very long time and uh, finally getting the stuff that you deserve. We're going to bookend it with a uh, a massive print job this weekend here that we're going to kind of unpack today. But uh, kudos, man. Much, much deserved. Uh, really happy for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, um, you know, it's always cool to be uh, recognized by your peers in the industry. And and there's a lot of um, really sharp dudes um, that, that are nominated along with us. Um, four for four um, fame. Denny Carter is in the football uh, writer nominee as well. So uh, shout out to uh, to Denny Carter. Um, but what's going on with you, man? Uh, we got a big weekend this week. Um, you got a lot going on outside of just NFL, as I mentioned, um, running the, the betting things over uh, over here at four for four so uh what's going on 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 that side of the uh of the world we can finally talk about it we've been uh, working on it and still have a lot of work to go before we get to the finish line here but uh betspurtsgolf.com it it is a live link that you can click on and start to uh, sign up to get our newsletter we're going to be coming very soon probably we're still aiming for early march there's a big tournament Uh, the players championship comes out in mid-march and it's basically they consider the fifth major. So it's the first big event before the masters comes out in the middle of April. And, you know, there are a lot of sites out there that do a great job content wise. There are a lot of sites out there that are prominent in the space from a tool standpoint. uh, And we want to combine them because there really isn't one that's doing it uh, well on both sides. So we have a lot of names that you are familiar with uh, in the DFS and betting space, or even if you're just a, golf fan and you follow the sport that are going to be contributing in one way or another really excited about all of those partnerships and uh yeah we are really it's going to be on brand from a quality standpoint that you are experienced here uh four for four so we're so stoked to have that go live also the betting subscription we turned the lights on last week so you can now go over to 444.com slash plans get a betting sub uh, which gives you access to dfs everything on the site you're gonna get all the paulson's rankings best ball, all the off-season stuff. That's going to yep. take you through February of next year. So basically 13 months uh, with everything that comes onto the 444 platform. Bestsportsgolf.com uh, best will be separate. We'll have probably some special deals for our 444 folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will continue to have golf on 444, but it'll be uh, all that we have now. But then we'll be doing some new things, obviously, at the new site. Yeah, man. Um, the the Betsperts group, um, who, if you guys don't know, um, acquired four for four right before the season started, has been crushing it. And um, as I mentioned early in in the year when that happened, um, they're they're just setting us up with some awesome resources to expand into things like golf. And for for people that 
are strictly NFL, which you know, just a lot a lot of people only play NFL, whether it's fantasy or DFS. Um, the the most parallels, if you don't play other sports, um, is probably to golf. At least from the from the aspect of you got the full week to prepare, you get the weekend sweat um, on, on a week to week basis. Just a super high variance game. Um, the 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 benefit is it's still really even though there's a lot of sharp people in the golf space, still a lot of growth opportunity in golf. So if you haven't got in yet, you can still get in. Uh, do your work with Betsburg's golf and, and I think probably have a, a pretty good chance to be profitable pretty quick. Um, and as you mentioned, that subscription uh, at 444 has rolled over to the new uh, to the new year. So um, th- those prices that we had the last few weeks, those are back to the full season price. But as Ryan mentioned, there is a slight uh, early discount right now and it will get you through February of next year. So there's tons of reason, including um, even if you only care about NFL, uh, the best ball stuff you guys been you guys crushed the nfl futures i mean as soon as nfl is over we're talking about best ball we're talking about those nfl futures bets lots of stuff on the draft so um i really encourage everybody to get signed up as quickly as possible if you're still a 444 sub from 2021 your your subscription is still going through the super bowl but you can re-up um right now but let's get into what we're here for the nfl dfs slate and this is a tricky one um at least as far as the structure of the podcast goes because we have two different main slates FanDuel is doing two two game main slates uh saturday slate sunday main slate they still have a four game slate available DraftKings made the four game slate their main slate which i'm very excited about all that really means is that the biggest prize pools are on those main slates still plenty of action on whether you want to play two game on FanDuel or four game on FanDuel. still plenty of action but we'll um we'll go through these game by game uh we'll break it down um by by the day slates for now and at the very end of the podcast we'll talk about the four game slate as a whole tons of content ownership projections leverage scores um uh content on every single slate is up on 444.com right now so make sure you check that out if you're already subscribed let's jump into the saturday slate kicking off with the Bengals at the titans over under 47 and a half Bengals three and a half uh point road dogs projected for 22 points titans favored by three and a half uh, implied point total just over 25. Uh, the chalk players in this one looks looks like they're going to be uh, Joe Mixon, uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, and then the Titans defense. Um, they'll be chalky-ish on, on both the two-game and the four-game slate. Big news is Derrick Henry coming back, but they are also the Tennessee side. Just really going to be a full-strength um Really, for, for one of the first times this year, you noted in your article they've only played about 10% of snaps. Tannehill has with A.J., um, Julio, and Derrick Henry all on the field together. So uh, I'm ex- really excited about this game. But before we just jump into breaking down the game, talking about those guys I listed as the chalk players, anyone stand out to you as um, players you like or don't like as the chalk? Yeah, I mean, I think the Jamar Chase chalk is, is probably some good chalk. We've yep. seen, uh, you know, pretty strong delineation between him and the other guys in the receiving core there mm-hmm. as him being cut the for the last few weeks. We've had yep. three straight games of uh, 10, 12 and 12 targets, you know, his, you know, air yard share upwards of 50, 30% target share. So pretty massive uh, spot there. I just can't imagine. I, I buy into this TJ. I'm, I'm curious of you too. We touched on this a little bit as it related to like running back uh, or I'm sorry, quarterback rushing last week. I, mm-hmm. I think that in these games that matter a little bit more, I especially think that teams want to get their stars involved. You don't want to get back on the yeah. bus on the way home and wonder like, damn, why do we only throw the ball to Jamar Chase five times? Yeah. And I just can't imagine that the case here. So uh, no yeah. matter the game script, I think that he 
makes for some good chalk. I think obviously T Higgins is a nice pivot. Um, but yeah, out of that list, again, it depends on the slate specifics, like the mix and stuff for sure. You know, yeah, obviously on a, on a, the two gamer, uh, I like him to be pretty decent chalk on a four gamer. I think that there's, I probably would rather get into some of the Bengals passing game over Mixon, but I guess we can dive into that, but, uh, probably chase would be my favorite yeah. here of the bunch. Yeah. I mean, as, as far as the mix and shot goes, I, I just think, um, it, it's a really weird running back slate. So if you look at, at the, the, the backs that are most likely to get the, uh, the lion's share of their backfield touches, like Mixon does actually kind of lead the way, but this just sets up for, um, for the wide receivers, like you mentioned. So I like kind of all the pass catchers in this game. I, I think Jamar and T Higgins, um, both for separate reasons. We saw, uh, Jamar get over 35% of targets last week. I don't think that's going to maintain with, with so many good weapons on their team, but he is the clear number one. And then with Higgins, you're just getting a, a really good value. He's, um, almost $2,000 less than Jamar on FanDuel and, he is um, fifteen hundred less on fourteen hundred less on DraftKings. So even if if teams aren't necessarily stacking this game, I think if people are looking for that value wide receiver early on, it's going to be Higgins just because he's going to fit into so many lineups. Um, but I, I do think that with the way that this game. Uh, can play out i mean obviously we kind of have to um consider every likely game flow scenario but both of these defenses really struggled against the deep ball especially tennessee they allowed the seventh highest qbr and passes of 20 or more areas the six most touchdowns on those games so like you said for for cincinnati to win this game i think they want to take advantage of that secondary and use their best players and the matchup sets up for them to do that and then additionally from a game theory perspective perspective it lets us lean into jamar and t because we have tyler boyd coming i think he has a four game scoring streak or something like that so we might get some people um chasing that that streak and then i just don't think it's a good spot for cj uzoma um one for for the matchups that that we talked about and two especially if you're playing the four game slate it's just a super strong tight end slate so it's not the kind of slate where i want to be fading like kittle you you he might be in a bad spot we'll talk about that more but i mean we got gronk kittle and kelsey all on the slate it's really hard to ditch all three of them for uzoma if you only need one to have a bad game sure but with three of those guys on the four game slate um i i think it's the i think it's jamar and, and uh, t higgins show yeah, we cashed the Uzoma ticket last week, so we can yeah. you know leave that one to the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That works out really nicely. But yeah, to your point, like over the last four weeks, we've seen a pass-centric spike on this offense, which we've yeah. been like clamoring for all yeah. season long. Um, over, uh, it's up eight percent when the game's within three points, up fourteen percent when they're leading by more than a field goal, which is really encouraging. And then we also have, to your point, the matchup against this really it's also depleted secondary yeah. for the titans um jack rabbit jenkins which is also what a boss name like if you were gonna janoris jenkins <laughs> yeah. just is like you know what i'm gonna change it up i'm gonna go with jack rabbit that is a power move strong strong very move. strong um but he is i think questionable on the doubtful side here mm. uh so the weakness there is on the outside to your point the tight end position is tough they are third in dvoa against the position on the season so not a great spot for uzoma so you know attacking the you know using the best vertical passer in the game which burrow has been all season yep. uh with the outside weapons of, of chase and higgins i think is probably the optimal way to go about it and you mentioned too aj brown being chalk like when we think about how these games or these teams really interact with each other offensively the way that chase and aj brown get there are with massive plays that flip the script in like 30 right. seconds right and then exactly. all of a sudden it's it's the titans ball again and then we get another big hitter so like these things 
correlate so well, even though they aren't your natural correlation between, say, quarterback, receiver, uh, things like that. So, yeah, th- there's a lot of this game. I took the over on this game. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah, it's a little bit that. under. I think there's a lot of nice scoring opportunities here. So, yeah, I think that uh, especially Burrow. I mean, like you said, that there's on the four gamer, it's so hard to avoid that Kansas City yep. and Buffalo matchup. But I was surprised to see some projections around Burrow being, you know, sub 10% in this matchup where I think he could be uh, forced to throw. And I think that's their best option, too. Yeah, that kind of ties into our our next point. Um, one of my favorite ways to go contrarian on this game is even though those guys are, are going to be chalky and you're not necessarily going to separate by pairing them together, both of their quarterbacks are probably going to be relatively um, low-owned because so many people are going to be waiting to stack that uh, Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Bills. All of the other games have over-unders like between 47 and 48 they're all really bunched up together but because of the the points you made i think that one we know cincinnati can can hit very quickly two all of a sudden we have like we mentioned up top tennessee with all of their weapons so i do i don't know if they can necessarily keep all the way up or win a shootout but i think they can push the Bengals enough where like this could be a a 35 to 28 type game maybe even more um because tennessee is at full health so my favorite way to approach this uh game from a contrarian standpoint is just to onslaught it because i think people are gonna be very nervous to onslaught anything besides the bills or chiefs because that naturally means you're only going to have a couple spots for those players. Um, But it's just a contrarian build. And then we haven't even touched on Derrick Henry. So is there, besides the quarterbacks, are there any other contrarian plays, ancillary pass catchers, or any of the running backs that you like as contrarian plays here? Not particularly. I think the other thing, too, that I think is important is that, especially on DraftKings, where everyone's going to want to save, not only do we have that game as the last game, everyone wants to save that for any of their swapping options. For sure. Right? So I think that even that steams the ownership on that game even more on DraftKings yeah, for Gamer because yeah. you're just sandbagging salary yeah. and all those, the optionality they have on Sunday yeah. to see how the True Saturday thing plays out. So like, yeah, I mean, onslaughting and getting, no one wants Tannehill builds, yeah. uh, which is a very natural uh, contrarian way to go against any Henry builds and against all the other quarterbacks in the slate. And there is rushing upside there. Uh, We really haven't seen it that much this year. But like we said, we've seen 120 of like 1,100 snaps have had all three of these dudes on the field at the same time. So we really haven't seen the ceiling games that we've seen in the past. New offensive coordinator is an added element there too, but we've seen it from Tannehill. Like there's rushing, you know, equity inside the red zone, which he can very much cuck Derrick Henry Henry in a a very easy way. Say that there's a just little, you know, big plays from – AJ Brown, uh, Julio is upright as of now, as we record, you know, he does not have a, a hamstring currently. So like that is a natural way to, doesn't even feel like it would be contrarian, but when you think of how people are going to build the rest of this weekend, it is. Yeah. I, th- I think Julio is a good addition. If you, if you're game stacking this game, um, I think you can make the argument that you can um, double Tennessee. I think I'm probably more likely to like double burrow and, and yeah. bring back AJ. If I'm trying to, I mean, bring back Julio, if I'm trying to be contrarian, um, I, I was talking on Joe Holka's podcast uh, about why I'm really worried about Derrick Henry. And, and the more I've kind of thought about it going in, like starting my lineup builds, the, the downside is very obvious coming off the injury and, and still possibly not even getting all of the workload. But um, as I started building, I mean, even though I do love this game as a contrarian way to stack, like the majority of my builds are still going to be Bills, Bills Chiefs. So like, how do I get contrarian if I'm stacking those games? I think the easiest way to do it is at running back. So I think if right now we have Derek Henry, at least on the DraftKings four game slate, projected for under 20%. So, I mean, I, if you're getting him behind, like, 
behind one, two, three, four, behind seven other running backs on a four-game slate in terms of ownership. I think in your very chalky builds, it makes sense to include Derrick Henry. Um, he's not necessarily a player I'm to be super overweight on, or, or like a player that is going to be primary in my player pool. But if I if I need to lower that average ownership number there, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's a soft landing spot for his return, right? We have some injuries yeah. up front for the Bengals. You know, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, one of their best defensive tackles, is out for the year. Um, they have uh, Josh Tupoa is also going to be probably out for this one. He got a knee injury. So, like, they're running out some backups here on the mm-hmm. offense or defensive line. So, like, and you have the Titans, Roger Saffold got healthy over the break. Like, they've been able to really benefit from having the time off. So, yeah, I mean, he is coming back to a, a really nice spot. And, you know, yeah, they did fairly well on the ground without him, but there is something to be said for you know, having to account for this guy a little bit differently, uh, you know, versus a Don, you know Dante Foreman or something like that. So, yeah, um, yeah if he's going to be sub twenty, which is a little surprising to me, I, I definitely think that there's ways to get there, and there are obviously nice game scripts that we have Tennessee here absolutely rolling, in, and you want Henry getting those twenty touches. Yeah, on, on Fandle where he's 9,000, I, I think it'll stay like that on the four-game slate. I mean, on the two-game slate, he'll get to like 40-ish just because it's it's Correct. a math problem. There's only so many players. Um, but on that four-game slate, I think he'll stay there on, on Fandle. On DraftKings where they, they – um, they opened up pricing a little bit. Seventy five hundred still is, is tough to to fit in if you are going to be playing a lot of these um, big name pass catchers and, and quarterbacks. But it's a lot more palatable than when he was up at like nine k. So maybe he gets a little bit above twenty percent. But I, I just don't see a situation where he gets to like over 30 percent um I, I think we're both kind of in agreement that we we like onslaught in this game especially on the two game slate yeah. um, but at least as a contrarian play so let's jump ahead to the night game on saturday 49ers at packers this is really the only game with a significant spread the over under is 47 but the niners are five and a half point underdogs implied point total under 21 points packers favored at home with an implied point total over 26 um we have uh, jimmy g dealing with multiple injuries but we'll still have some chalk in this game eli mitchell will be chalkiest just because it's such a um a light running back slate. I think he'll probably like come in as, as the third or fourth most popular running backs, not mega chalk. George Kittle will compete as one of the most popular tight ends. I, I think the top three guys and, and maybe Higby because he's so cheap, kind of uh, all cannibalize each other's ownership a little bit. And then uh, Devante, um, him and Cooper cup, uh, arguably the best right receivers on the slate. Like maybe you could throw digs in there, but from a volume perspective, they're pretty much unmatched. And then the Packers defense. So uh, pretty light chalk on this game. This is probably going to be the, the most overlooked game of the slate, but is there any chalk that you like out of those players? I don't know how you can not like Devonte Adams. Yeah. Um, they are, there's no one on the San Francisco side that it can slow him down. And yep. it is really the way that the Niners are built. They are terrific run defense. We talked about it mm-hmm. last week. It was why we were wanting to, uh, you know, attack Dak. It didn't really come that way. Uh, we wanted to short Zeke. And I think the Packers probably have a little bit more success, but I think that it's still a really tough run defense. They are second in rushing success rate, second in EPA. The path to least resistance is uh, with Devontae Adams, 18 targets in their matchup in week three. That, game-winning drive, if you remember. Like they just Everyone and their brother knew that they were going to Devontae, and they went to him three times yeah. in a row, got in field goal position, and kicked the game winner. So, like, there's just nothing that they're going to be able to do to slow him down. So he is, I think, fantastic chalk. Again, the way that they leverage him around the goal line, too, he just has massive 
touchdown equity for receivers. So I think he's he's fantastic chalk. And Eli Mitchell, like five straight games of 21 plus carries. Again, with the Jimmy G stuff in the cold uh, against the Packers, who are 30th in run D uh, run D DVOA over the last uh, like half of the season, they've been really bad. Gashed some for some big big games too. I think it, multiple reasons it works by taking the pressure off of Jimmy G in the cold weather game to just pound Eli Mitchell uh, as much as you can. So I think that those are both really good chalk uh, for the spot. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of touched on everything um, as as far as Devontae goes. This game makes me a, a little bit nervous just because it's the one that everybody seems to be ignoring. And, and when there's only four games on a slate, um, you can't ignore any of them. So, I mean, you're always going to have a little bit of FOMO because you, you're going to want to cover all your bases, but you have to take a stand somewhere. So I, I'm kind of... Um, uh, I'm kind of having it here and saying I like Eli Mitchell in spots where I maybe play the 49ers defense. I, I think a lot of that confidence is contingent on uh, if if David Bakhtiari plays, he should play. He came back in week 18, but he is listed as questionable. Um, and then if Nick Bosa plays, if, if Bosa plays and Bakhtiari is out, it makes me like the 49ers defense. And then Eli just becomes kind of like a, a nice correlation play with the defense so that's like i guess that's kind of more a contrarian way to to talk about it but that's the the way i'm most likely to play um eli mitchell um as chalk i mean debo isn't going to be chalky ish he kind of lands in the middle but besides debo are there any contrarian plays that you do like uh in this game uh you know i aaron Rodgers. i'm surprised is yeah. again going to be chalky or not you know not chalky so like Rogers Adams stacks feel like they should always be chalky and yep. they're they're not going to be. And again, for the same reasons we said with Burroughs, the same premise. So yeah, I mean that's a way to get you know top tier guys with yeah. you know that little skinny and bringing it back with Debo on the other end. And you're using a good chunk of salary there. But again, if this game hits, knowing that it's probably going to be the least owned uh here i think that there's yeah. really nice ways to to get in there and i don't mind hammering some other stuff too even if we're not going you know with jimmy g or anything like that i think kittle is an easy one that maybe mm -hmm. box scores scare people off yeah uh, you know I, I think obviously aaron Rodgers and adams should be higher than they're going to be and um, i will try to get overweight on that for sure yeah, I like the Rodgers call, um, and and naturally, if you're going to play Rodgers, um, I I think you can, I think you could double Rodgers and still get a lot of exposure to the high scoring games. Like there, th this isn't necessarily a slate where um, you have to completely go in all in on one game like you definitely can but more so like usually on these three or four game slates I, I really like to um almost exclusively have have onslaughts and just like if my if one of my games don't hit so be it i actually do think this is a pretty good slate to play a balanced lineup and, and just have one or two contrarian plays sprinkled in so like a, a aaron Rodgers double where you include a contrarian alan lazard i think makes a lot of sense uh you would think lazard might get a little more popular uh with mvs doubtful but he's kind of in the salary range with some other players on like the the gabe davis's pringles i don't know if they're exact pivots but i just think people are going to want to play those cheaper wide receivers in those big games and i, I think it'll i don't think it'll keep um lazard depressed a little bit 
Devonte isn't contrarian, but I I do think that, and I'll I'll touch on this again later when we kind of do the wrap up part. I think forcing in Devonte and Cooper Cup together is really interesting because it's mm. going to take up so much salary, but they both have such big slate breaking ability. I just yep. don't think it's a combo we're going to see a lot because so many people are either are going again want to go to that late game, and if you stack those guys together, it's going to be really hard to stack the Bills and Chiefs heavily. Um, but I, I think it's a really interesting way to get exposure to this game maybe get all of the Packers points but uh, I do like if, if I'm going to be contrarian it's going to be on, on the Packers side like I'm, I'm pretty cold on the 49ers going into this one no yeah, pun intended it, <laughs> yeah it's supposed to be like four degrees and like yeah. 15 mile an hour winds yeah I just don't think that the Packers are going to be able to run the ball very well um, I agree I think that the run defense can show up in the cold and that's part of why I'm bullish on the Packers, because I think that they can show up here and still win, and they're going to have to do that with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, the Lazard stuff makes a ton of sense because, you know, doubtful. We don't typically see doubtful turn to active very often, so feel pretty good yeah. about MBS being out. And then we have Randall Cobb back, but, like, he's coming off of core surgery. That's not something that I want to necessarily jam in, even though he's super cheap on DraftKings, like $3,100. Like, mm-hmm. I, the way that Lazard has been used of late and has been trending, like, it's been kind of encouraging anyway and has been something that would maybe – steal some looks from MBS. So yeah, I think that that's a nice natural way to stack this game. I think you can go Kittle on the other side. I think you can go Debo on the other side and feel pretty good about it. Debo's there's no way Debo's not getting 15 touches here. They're going to give him a bunch of targets. They're going to give him a ton of runs because they're not going to be able to throw it very well and they're going to run it. So like these two teams are playing opposite games. So, you know, guys who are going to be running the ball for the Niners, if we can keep a neutral game script, I think this is going to work really well for Roger Stack. So, yeah, I like I like this spot, especially if it's going to be the uh, the late game. And I think you made a good call on the Lazard stuff with how it's going to correlate with the, the late game switches. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I'm definitely not necessarily fading Debo. I think he might get kind of lost in the shuffle, but um, with especially with him, but really with all the 49ers pass catchers, I think any of them work as one off because we know, especially with the cold and Jimmy's injury, we know they're going to be playing a, a ton of east to west, not north and south, and hopefully those guys can can break one and get the yards after a catch. Um, so it's very hard to project those things, but the, the way they're going to attack um, the Packers and the way they run their offense, obviously they're going to have those types of run after catch opportunities uh i i mean i think i'm most of the time i'm i'm mostly um not i don't want to say avoiding this game but this is the one that just is going to kind of fall through the cracks for me i in my in my whether i'm onslaughting the first game or onslaughting the last game i do kind of like um getting one Packers player, uh, most likely Devonte, like with the Green Bay defense, just a light approach uh, to this game, kind of sprinkling the players in. But um, a- as a whole, looking at those two games, assuming we're just doing like a like a pseudo lineup builder just for Saturday only, um, what's your most likely plan of action for your Saturday slate? Probably Rogers stacks uh, some one-offs on the uh, Bengals passing side, uh, especially because I think if the, no one wants Niners, so I'm okay with taking some risks yeah. there. But I'm. Um, uh, Kittle is another guy that, again, like massive slate breaking upside when Kittle clicks. And yeah. there's nothing that we've seen of late. He's been running wind sprints. Uh, so there's nothing that we've seen of late that's going to make you think that Kittle is going to blow up all of a sudden. But it's George freaking Kittle. And, you know, he's, he's run after the catchability is crazy. No one's going to own him. So mm-hmm. I think that that's probably a way to get contrarian. I feel like I still have, you know, massive slate breaking upside. So uh, that's kind of the way to, to go for me. You know, I want to have some just minis no matter what i'm doing at the quarterback position 
with uh, with Jamar Chase and AJ Brown and, and a two gamer that makes it really easy to do. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going with with the early game. Um, I'm just going to onslaught that game a ton. I'm I, I'm warmed up to the idea of Tannehill a lot more than I did say at the beginning of the week. Um, so and I do think they could keep up and, and him being cheap and contrarian is is very intriguing. I just think on this two gamer, if somebody's going to completely break it, I think it's Cincinnati. So I really like the idea of double, even even tripling um, the the Bengals, bringing back the Titans, and then filling out the rest of your roster with with um, Packers, however they fit. I'm I'm completely fine on this two game slate with full fades of San Francisco, and and I'll be um, really on both slates. I'm going to be targeting the Bengals a ton, but especially on this Saturday um, slate. So let's let's jump ahead to Sunday. Uh, opening the day with Rams at Bucks on Sunday. The over-under in this one is 48 points. Rams are two-and-a-half-point road underdogs with an implied point total of 22.75. Buccaneers favorite at home with an implied point total just above 25. Uh, we're going to have some heavy chalk in this one. Cooper Cup is always going to be one of the chalkiest players on this slate. Him and Cam Akers on both slates probably going to compete for the most popular players on the slate. Um, Akers, very affordable, took over what looked like that workhorse role, um, and, and then Cup uh, goes with that explanation. Evans, just because they're, they're um, he's, he's an affordable elite wide receiver, it looks like Leonard Fournette is going to play, so, so we're going to have a on the four-game slate, we're going to have a trio of him, Cam Akers, and Devin Singletary competing as the top three most popular backs um, on the two-game slate. Um, kind of the same thing. And then Gronk will be popular as well. Bucks will be popular as well. So um, heavy chalk in, in this one, not quite as heavy as the late, but a lot of players that are going to be very popular just because both of these teams have such concentrated attacks. So does anybody stand out to you as the chalk in uh, on either side? I'm interested in Leonard Fournette if he's healthy. The yeah, uh, coach speak there is pretty encouraging. I don't think that they love anyone else there, as we've seen early in the season when he was healthy. Um, and because of some of the issues that the offensive line has with the Bucs, um, you know, it looks like maybe Tristan Wirfs is going to play. Uh, Ryan Jensen's practicing. I don't know. Like, Wirfs seems super questionable. And as yeah. he tried to fight through it last week, we saw what happened. Like he comes back in the game and gets demolished on like the first play. So that's a big deal against a team like this yeah, that definitely. can generate so much pressure, you know, with Aaron Donald in the middle, you know, Jensen too. Like, I think he's, I don't think there's questions if he's going to play, but I think there's questions about really how healthy he is. So I think we see just Brady trying to get the ball out faster. Yep. Um, and it's kind of his skill anyway. And that works really well with what we saw with Lenny early this season. So mm -hmm. if we're going to have Lenny back with the majority of the workload in the running game, and then, you know, even taking a handful of that, if even if Gio starts to eat into that a little bit, Keyshawn Vaughn into that a little bit, we're still mm -hmm. going to have Lenny catching some targets here. So Lenny makes more sense to me than the Cam Akers. I understand the Cam Akers thing. Like it's kind of undeniable. The numbers are what they are. But again, that game script kind of got out of hand where, it was easy for them to go so run heavy because Sony Michelle was still very much involved. It was nice to see Akers handle, you know, deep shots down the field, like lining them up straight out as like an X receiver and taking shots against linebackers, which we want to see, especially on DraftKings. If we're not going to have any passing game role for Sony Michelle, he's kind of crossed off the list. But uh, I think Akers is kind of a guy that I'm willing to fade, if especially if he's going to be owned. I understand the price is nice and we want to you know save a little bit of money so he's a little hard to avoid but i'd rather spend up and find other areas you know, spend up on lenny and find other areas to save some money uh, inarguable on the cooper cup thing like you just got to jam him in uh, some of the other pieces there are a little bit more questionable but uh 
yeah, I would say Lenny and Cooper Cup are my favorite chalk here. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of liking Cup for the same reasons I, I'm liking Devontae. I already talked about those yeah. double wide receiver builds that, that I talked about. Um, and I agree with, with Evans. He's my favorite chalk running back play. Um, the, the Cam Akers thing, one, it's just really hard to, to run on Tampa Bay. Two, I know a lot of people are very excited about Cam Akers. After that first series, he came in, was getting most of the touches. But Sony Michelle didn't get completely phased out. Like, he was still getting fourth quarter touches. He got the goal line. He got a goal line touch. They both had a goal goal line touch so i mean there's still a really good chance this thing is split against a really good uh tampa bay run defense so i think acres is um is not he's probably my least favorite chalk play on the slate evans is going to see a ton of jalen ramsey ramsey hasn't uh shadowed much this year but they don't have any other wide receivers because they lost two of their best three wide receivers. So I think even if Ramsey isn't playing like a true shadow role all game, I think it's a good chance that Evans sees a lot more uh, than we've seen Ramsey shadow or, or follow uh, a team's best receiver this year. So I'm kind of in, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I like Fournette. I like cup. Um, I also like Gronk just because, I mean, I kind of like all the tight ends on this slate. Don't love the Bucks defense. Um, so let's talk about um, our, our contrarian plays a little bit. What do you like from a um, not-so-popular standpoint here? It's been nice to see Odell kind of emerge as you know the clear number two here. Through, you know, Van Jefferson having the shoulder injury, but really just from a snaps and routes run standpoint, Odell has you know shown that upside. Obviously, some uh, targets in the end zone, which we love to see too. So I think he is a nice, if you're deciding to stack this game on the Stafford side, you know, avoiding the, the Cam Akers chalk and, you know, kind of laying into the Cooper Cup chalk, you can go mm -hmm. with Stafford, Cup, and Odell. Um, kind of really off the board, especially considering all the tight ends. If you're looking for cost savings, I am a little interested in Cam Brate. And I, Man, the, yeah. the reason for is a couple of days. So like Cam Brate just no matter what is getting a handful of targets every game. But I think some of the offensive line issues are going to cause them to probably lean a little bit more heavier from a personnel standpoint. So whether mm -hmm. that's keeping Gronk in line to chip before he's releasing, and you see a lot of just releases in the flats for Cambray. Like he's not necessarily even running a ton of routes. Sometimes he just runs just that little out and Brady just gets it to him real quick. Yep. And, you know, he actually is a little bit talented after the catch for a tight end. So um, again, like, if he catches a tight end, this is similar to what we were talking about with, you know, Uzoma last week or uh, Dawson Knox last week. And you hit that one perfectly, right? We we're really not looking for the volume in comparison to some of these other studs at the position. We're looking to maybe get four to five balls at the top and then hope we run into a, a touchdown. Yeah. And I think Cam Bray at a really cheap price avoids chalk is a nice way to kind of save money, if you, especially if you're wanting to get into the, the Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams role. You want to go heavy on the late game. Like, I think that he's a really nice contrarian play who's going to be 2%. Yeah, the, the only contrarian play that really stands out to me um, is Stafford, especially on the Sunday-only two-game slate. Um, I, I don't think this is going to necessarily be um, – I, I think this is probably the least likely um, of of this two-game – well, obviously the least likely to shoot out with Buffalo and Kansas City. Um, yeah. But I, I think Stafford can get there um, with – if Cooper Cup is going to go off, I think Stafford needs to get there. And I think if you're going to play him like on the four-game slate and he is a player that's in the winning lineup, I think it's a week where everybody just kind of hits their medium projection at the quarterback position. Like even if Josh Allen and and um, 
Patrick Mahomes outscore Stafford, if they don't do so by such a huge margin with higher salaries and way higher ownership, and say Stafford goes for like 303, which isn't going to win it on his own, the salary and ownership savings can still get you there with like a, a Stafford skinny stick with Cup. And it's you can still load up on the Chiefs and Bills if you want. It's just going to be a very unique build because people just are going to think if I need to, if I'm playing Stafford, I might as well just onslaught him. I'm just thinking like from a, a balanced lineup perspective, Stafford kind of makes sense for me. Oh, that's a great point. You said the, the three uh, in 300 yards isn't necessarily going to get you there by itself, yeah. but it's, it's part of the build that makes it unique and what it allows you to do in other spots. So yeah, I think that's yeah. a, a great point. Yeah. And that's kind of why I don't like love Brady stacks because he's not, he's not giving you a ton of salary relief off of, um, either of the late guys. And he's really not giving you much ownership relief either just because Josh Allen's probably going to command so much ownership that we could see Brady and Mahomes kind of close um, in ownership. So, like, mm -hmm. what are you really getting by targeting Brady? I mean, sure, Brady does have a higher ceiling than, than Stafford, I think, just because we've, we've seen it all year. But I don't think it's that much higher, especially with the way um, Odell has been, been playing lately and the way Tom Brady's going to have to face that pass rush. So I do think Stafford just lets you do some, some interesting things. So, um, I like that there. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call, especially the cost savings. And really, as these two teams are currently constituted, yeah, like it's indisputable if we look at how they played over the course of the season, but how they are now with what all that Tampa Bay is dealing with, both from an offensive line standpoint, the inability to really allow him to take five, seven step drops and push the yeah. ball down the field is going to be something that they're going to try to avoid getting exploited. So, yeah, there's just, there's not the upside on Brady. That we would typically see even though they are such a high pass rate over expectation mm -hmm. in the red zone so obviously the touchdowns are there but you're getting the volume too in the spot like we need to get you know some crooked numbers and yeah he threw yeah. his highest yards per game the season was in that week three matchup against the rams but like they were getting boat raced and were coming trying to come from behind yeah. so like that's that was very much game script dependent so yeah, i think you make a good call there on uh, stafford play yeah. All right. The uh, the the big one this week, Sunday night, Bills at Chiefs over under 54 points. Bills one and a half point underdogs, 26.25 implied point total. Chiefs implied point total, 27.75. Um, all of the usual suspects are going to be Chuck here. Um, Allen, Singletary, Diggs on the Bills side. Mahomes, Tyreek, Kelsey uh, on the Chiefs side. We're still waiting on news on the Chiefs backfield. Instead of any chalk you do like, is there any chalk you don't like in this game? Oh, man. So the I'm interested to see what we're seeing right now from a projected ownership standpoint on the Chiefs' backfield is interesting because I think if we do get CEH, I think that makes that really muddy. And maybe that becomes mm -hmm. an interesting contrarian play because, you know, McKinnon becomes less of an obvious smash. Yeah. Um, be interested to see how he's worked and how they kind of split that role with questions around CEH uh, in the shoulder. So, yeah, I mean – there's really no bad shock here. It's stunning, yeah. too, with the way that they drop salaries with how cheap Diggs and Tyreek yep. are, uh, especially on DraftKings. It is very easy to fit them in. We're, we're typically you know, up into the mid to high sevens on them, and they're in like the mid sixes here. So, yeah, uh, Josh Allen is as good as chalk as there can be, as there was last week, and you know he hangs a 40-burger. He's, he's going to do it again regardless of game script. So, like, he's great chalk. Uh, there's, really no, there's really no bad chalk here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this game really just comes down to how heavy are you going to go on it? I mean, obviously, if we're doing things like um, building our like your Green Bay stacks or, or, or my Cincinnati stacks, 
that's more so if you're building, um, you know, if you're building 2,250 lineups, you're just going to do some different things. If I'm playing a single entry contest, I just don't see whether it's the two game or the four game slate. I don't see a way where I get away from these passing games and just try to get unique elsewhere. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me in, in, in a single entry contest to do that. Um, there's there's ways to get unique, whether it be through an onslaught or through the, the ancillary receivers um, or the Chiefs running backs with, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire being active, like McKinnon all of a sudden becomes an interesting contrarian play. Uh, that's the way you want to get unique. So I don't think anybody in their right mind, if you're playing more than even one lineup, is doing a full fade of this game. Um, but is are there any contrarian builds or contrarian plays that stand out to you that can help you separate in this spot? I'm interested to see how sticky the shift is in uh, Buffalo with Isaiah McKenzie and uh, Cole Beasley, where yeah. we've just seen a more dynamic uh, McKenzie than what we've seen from Beasley all season long. Really that Patriots game when Beasley was out with COVID kind of spurned things. And then he's just kind of held on last week. We saw, you know, higher routes run, higher target share, uh, higher targets per route run and there's just an upside uh, after the catch that McKenzie has they can use him in motion and jet sweeps and there's different things that they can do with him so I think that he becomes a pretty interesting option because I think when people naturally want to get contrarian off of digs they're going to want to go to Gabe Davis big bodied red zone target I, I, I love Gabe Davis I know you do too I think you just you're probably going to get half the ownership there on McKenzie if that too so yeah if there's something there that ends up being sticky again in a spot where like everything is going to be popular. Uh, that's a spot that I think is interesting to go to. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis really stand out to me. Um, Dawson Knox led the team in routes, uh, uh, last uh, week, and he's probably going to be the least popular starting tight end on, on either slate. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, besides maybe, um, besides, Degora and and Ferkser, but definitely on on Sunday um, he'll be the sixth most popular tight end on the four game slate. So he stands out to me because he uh, did run so many routes last week. And even though Gabe Davis is probably going to like double up Isaiah McKenzie um, in ownership and, and Emmanuel Sanders as well, he also doubled them up in snaps last week. So I mean mm -hmm. he he you know he just was on the field so much. And I I think the I think the Beasley thing is real one because McKenzie's just looked really good. Manny's back. But then if we go all the way back to that week five game uh, against Kansas City, Beasley only had two targets in that game. Um, I, I know he I think he, um, he he was a little banged up in that one. But still, um, he just wasn't uh, even when he was on the field, wasn't a big participant in their past game. So I think the Be the Beasley concern is real. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily a spot where I want to like get super crazy and throw a super deep dart and then on the Chiefs side I mentioned I think I think McKinnon is going to be a very interesting contrarian play with CEH active it's really just going to drive down his ownership but we saw him steal goal line touches in week 18 we saw him play very well last week I think it's going to be a game where obviously the most likely scenario is a shootout so if they're playing a ton of of passing game or or, um, or passing formations I mean, we just haven't seen CEH succeed in those roles. And then with their receivers, I just think it really comes down to how you're going to, to build. If you are going to build Chiefs-heavy teams, we've seen Byron Pringle be pretty consistent um, mm -hmm. over the past five or six games. So I think if you are going to Chiefs onslaught, Pringle makes sense as an ancillary pass catcher. Like, you can play him with either Tyreek... Kelsey or both, whereas someone like Miko Hardman, I think you want to play him in, especially with Tyreek Hill in place of Tyreek Hill. If Tyreek Hill has a bad game, it's, it's probably more likely Miko is going to have the more likely to have a better game where Pringle can succeed with both of them. 
yeah, not so good call. The, the McKinnon stuff is interesting. Like, re- had the premise last week, right, where I was on Derek Gore as a pivot, but yeah. it was the wrong guy. Uh, it ended up being Jerry McKinnon. And like you said, like, he was involved in the Week 18 game, yeah. um, you know, from a pass-catching standpoint. There's been a dude that we've been dying for for, like, yep. seven years, right, to get on the field, stay healthy, get opportunities to, to break things. And um, there's still a little bit of juice left in the tank. So, yeah, we yeah. just haven't seen enough. And a shoulder injury to a running back is not something that we – we should understate here. So, yeah, obviously, CEH looks good. He's going to be active. He's going to play. He probably takes some of the early down stuff. But, like, as this game gets going, if it gets back and forth, if it does become something that Buffalo gets up and pushes the pace, I think you do see McKinnon go from chalk to a very contrarian play at the running back position. Get, again, with there's some equity at the position where you're, you know, losing the running back position somewhere on McKinnon is something that people are going to have a hard time swallowing. So yeah, I think he becomes a really, really high upside guy in the spot. Again, we're looking for, we want to get access to this game. That's a little bit off the board and it's really hard to do. So you kind of, again, have to hold your nose at times and build some stuff that you necessarily don't love when you hit submit. Yeah. um, I I mean, the, the McKinnon thing, he's a, a very, um, classic case of like he's a a game theory play and it's very counterintuitive to how you how at least how i was going to approach him if ceh um was inactive or we got word that he was gonna be active i probably would hate the jarek mckinnon play i I don't want to play jarek mckinnon at 40 percent. but with ceh being active if i can get mckinnon at 18 19 percent i like him as a play um a lot more especially because devin singletary is going to be with acres and fournette fighting for that most popular running back on the slate especially on sunday only so there's there's a million ways to approach this game there's so many combinations is there one that stands out to you as as how you want to approach it the one that's of interest to me was similar to how I liked Buffalo last week too, which is um, kind of an onslaught that involves mm-hmm. both Allen and Singletary, where you're yeah. just trying to soak up, you know, you're going to get all those touchdowns yeah. Uh, because yeah, Singletary is chalk, but I think you might see some people be hesitant to include both with just the natural yeah. way we perceive correlations to work. And um, we have to go a little bit off the board in, in short slates. So, you know, if this game does go crazy and the bills are hanging 35 plus on the chiefs, I feel pretty good about having you know four touchdowns at least from those two guys combined. So yeah, that seems a little different. You can again pick the whoever you like there from a receiver standpoint. You'll still have enough money to afford digs if you just yep. want to go with Gabe Davis. I think it makes a ton of sense. And then covering the tight end position, throwing in knocks, something like that is an easy way to uh, to cover and wrap the stack up, stack up too that will not be owned. Will not be a very popular stack in this slate. Yeah, on on a four game slate, um, I'm riding with my boy Josh Allen. I mean, if if I'm gonna go down, I'm gonna go down uh, with the ship. But my my favorite way, I, I've really been like thinking through this a lot, and I, I'm going to be as much as I love Cincinnati. If I'm playing like I'll, I don't know on DraftKings, I'll probably play ten lineups or something like that. I would guess six of them are are Josh Allen um, stacks yeah. or, or onslaughts or something like that. But my favorite build that I, I think is Josh Allen without Singletary. And Singletary is a great addition to to um, Josh Allen's stacks, especially because he saw 90% of the targets last week. My favorite build is Josh Allen with two cheap receivers and then bringing back whatever, like one or even two Chiefs. Um, just because Diggs is going to be so popular, but I'm going to bank on Josh Allen have a, having a little bit of rushing touchdown regression. Devin Singletary has had a ton of touchdowns lately. Josh Allen had a multi-touchdown game. I believe it was week 17, but four of his last five games, he didn't get into the end zone on the ground. So a like there's a very real possibility where 
This game is everything it's hype up to be, um, but Singletary doesn't get there because Josh Allen runs in, ideal scenario, runs in two, and then gets it to a couple of the ancillary guys. Like a Josh Allen, Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis build, I think is a really great way to get access to this game without blowing up your salary, without blowing up your ownership, and still really being able to do whatever you want elsewhere. So I think that's probably my favorite way to play this. Josh Allen starts the game with basically a touchdown to a touchdown and a half of rushing points, right? Yeah, like yeah. You know, the rushing prop came out at 40 and a half. We smashed yeah. it. It's at like 51 now. Um, so it's, it's a touchdown on draft games. It's more yeah. than a touchdown. So like to your point, if you know, he's throwing for a couple and we start to see some regression and he's getting in there in the end zone, like dude is just unbelievable when he is playing like this, the upside is really, uh, there's no even Mahomes like the Mahomes best game Mahomes has a little bit of rushing upside but we're talking about like mid-20s we're not talking about like like 80 yards on the ground and two scores and that's very much in I think non-tail outcomes of Josh Allen's performance here this weekend like it's we're not talking about like this crazy might happen could happen like yeah. that is firmly in like the center distributions of where he could perform this weekend yeah and we don't like the the thing I think people really need to understand about like Oh, Josh Allen is chalk, so I want to be contrarian. Like that that line of thinking at quarterback makes sense on a a very big slate. Um, just because it's really hard for a quarterback to break the slate on their own. When there's only four games, especially when there's only two games, even if I'm getting Josh Allen at 40% ownership, he can just destroy the slate. We saw it against Tampa Bay, I think it was week. 13 or 14, I can't remember. Yep. He was only the third quarterback ever to have a double bonus, 300 through the air, 100 on the ground. If he does that this week, like five Josh Allen touchdowns with two of them on the ground, like he's just like, you're just not, you're, you're winning the slate with him there. So I'm going to be way overweight on, on Josh. Um, I'm all in on the bills. Obviously there's a ton of bias built in there, but um, I mean, the spot is, is just too juicy. I'm not saying fade Mahomes, like, like, you know, the, the Mahomes side is fine. Sure. I, I think you should definitely be going there, but um, Josh Allen, just his, I, I know we talked about Tannehill's rushing ability, but this is just a slate with so many immobile quarterbacks. Like there, there's a good chance every quarterback has 20 or less rushing yards and Josh has a hundred, right? Like that's, yep. that's very um, feasible. So um, this, this Sunday slate, I, I think we're both kind of in agreement that you have to go heavy um, on this game. Let's talk about the, the four game slate as a whole, just because that, that is a little bit trickier. Um, how do you like, how do you like approaching the four game slate? Or at least just what are your, what are your, your thoughts on four game slate? Because I do think it's a, a really balanced slate. I think, um, I, I don't, I think you could win without onslaughting any game. So just kind of, um, general thoughts on it. Yeah. First time walking through and making some lineups this morning were, did find myself having some balanced lineups, um, yeah. wanting yeah. to build Josh Allen teams, but still being able to, you know, I, I have, and I highly recommend to like, you know, I have, uh, cash game and a couple of cash games with you know 10 mans you know that are competitive where you can basically yeah. put in you know a cash like lineup so i'm thinking of it from that standpoint I'm like yeah i can build some stuff where i'm still getting access to ceiling but uh some guys that are going to be performance performing you know pretty flat across the board where i don't have to go all in on say you know the early game and, and lock myself into you know no, no late swap options i think mm -hmm. Access to Josh Allen, access to Joe Burrow, and access yeah. to Aaron Rodgers are kind of how mm -hmm. I'm prioritizing the slates. I think that I'm going to go a little bit underweight on Patrick Mahomes just because in that game I'd so much rather have the Allen side because like he was lined up, the rushing upside I think is massive. Um, I think that 
there are lots of different, you know, we try to go off the board and get too cute, but I think there are a lot of different ways to, to mix things up here. It's, it is a deep slate. I do think you want to leave yourself optionality late, um, but yeah. I think it's okay to try to do some things as well when you want to make those pivots and see what you can do on that early Sunday game because yeah. you know everyone and their brother is going to be doing the same thing before the late game. So, again, save that ownership. Play into ownership on on Allen. We're very much okay with that. Um, our Bills, I took the Bills straight up on the money line. I think they win this game. Uh, but I think I want to be you know a little bit more cognizant of, of, of it everywhere else. Yeah, um, the the thing that's really interesting about these this four game slate is often what we've seen with these four game slates is usually, especially regular season four game slates or, or like three game slates like Thanksgiving. Usually, there's a couple players that like might draw sixty or seventy percent even on a four game slate. Um, the ownership is like pretty evened out, so it's going to be relatively easy to be overweight on your favorite plays. So I've talked about this on a lot of the small slate um, content we've done, whether it be articles or or podcasts. I I think it's just very important to find game flows that you like the most and find a couple contrarian players you like the most and just really hone in on those plays. Um, I I know that's a little bit generic, but you can really get into trouble on these four game slates trying to cover all your bases. Like you're just going to have to take some stands on some guys and just there's just going to be good players that you're going to fade. Um, I agree with you like this. There's a lot more balanced lineup combinations than I would usually like on, on such a short slate, but I, I will have my fair amount of onslaughts with that first game and with that last game. And to your point about owner, um, it's about late swap on this slate. I, I would say, don't go into it building for late swap. Let your, let your builds come around those topics that I talked about. And when the light late swap opportunities come, especially with the, the last game being the most popular, um, look at the leaderboard, look where you stand, wait out your, your risk, risk versus re- reward ratio. Uh, uh, and then do the late swap, but don't try to plan for a late swap. And think that's like the, the only way you're going to be contrarian, um, yeah. play the lineups that you like and let late swap kind of come to you on this one. Yeah, I think almost even ignoring it because I think that that's such a good point, TJ, because we want to be thinking about late swap, but in this, it's backwards for us, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because like we are back, we're late swapping into ownership because right. we know that that's going to be the heaviest right. owned game yep. of the weekend, especially exactly. the four gamers. So like it's okay going heavy on the early stuff and just kind of planting your flag. Hopefully you hit it and then you are naturally contrarian knowing that, you know what, you're going to have to sit and hold your ass while that late game happens on Sunday. But if, if you were right, if you played in the way that you think the scripts are going to go, you should be sitting in a nice spot. Yeah, and just throwing this out there, if the, if the, the Bengals and the Bills win, that means the AFC Championships in Buffalo. So um, if Josh Allen um, you know, brings home a nice GPP for me, um, maybe I'll have to go watch him in, in person next week. Get some fresh Buffalo wings there in person. <laughs> I want to see California boy in uh, northern New York uh, in the middle of uh, January. I want to see what those pictures look like. I'll Multiple layers under the red four for four jumpsuit. I'll do it for Josh. I'll do it for Josh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, uh, good luck to everybody um, going into this weekend. Make sure you're checking out all of uh, the betting content on four for four. If you are watching on YouTube, please make sure you check out the audio feed on whatever podcast, wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you're listening to the audio feed on the podcast, please check out our YouTube. Please rate and review on iTunes. If you're listening, if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the 
YouTube channel. Make sure you check out those new uh, 4 for 4 subscriptions to get you access all the way through February of next year. Remember, tons of betting content going on now through the offseason, so you get tons of value um, out of that subscription starting ASAP. Please check us out on Twitter. 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 football. Ryan's at Rye Noonan. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys next week.